and thank you for listening to Texas History for Kids. I'm your host, Michelle Gallegos, an educator, writer, history nerd, and novice investigator. Each week on the show, we will learn about interesting parts of Texas history, from battles and historical figures to the odd and enchanted. Hey guys, and welcome back to episode 12, entitled Influential Black Americans. It's February, and you know what that means. Love is in the air. If you'd like a free Valentine's reading passage and activity, send me an email, michellegallegos.author at gmail.com, and I'll send you over a link with the reading passage. Do you know what else we celebrate in February? That's right, not just Valentine's Day. Our nation has dedicated all of February to celebrate the contributions of black Americans. Did you know that Texas has some of the most famous African-American historical figures in the advancement of our state? Today, we will talk about some of the most prominent black Americans in Texas. African-American Texans have contributed to Texan culture and have become well-known in many ways, from military heroes, musicians, and the arts, to aviation, sports, and technology. African Americans have faced incredible challenges throughout history, yet they continue to overcome them with resilience and determination and are an essential part of Texas history, life, and culture. Today we are going to talk about a few key points. The first one is military war heroes. Although there were a lot of them, I don't think my podcast has enough time to discuss all of our military war heroes that are African Americans, but I'm going to talk about a few today. We are going to start with the first African American Texan. His name was Esteban, and he was brought to Texas in the early 1500s. At this time, Texas was under the control of Spain, and Esteban traveled with European explorers who were sent to Texas to find more information about the land, such as its resources, as well as spread the Catholic religion. Now, Esteban was born in Morocco before being thrown into the European slave trade. It is hard to comprehend the fear he experienced when he was enslaved, not to mention the events that led to his captivity. He was one of the Africans who were brought to the New World as a slave of the Spanish conquistadors. As with many slaves of his time, including some early Native Americans of Texas, Esteban was converted to Catholicism, and it is believed that he may have been treated better than other slaves because he willingly participated during the Spanish conquest. Esteban was part of Cabeza de Vaca's expedition crew. Now, Esteban was often chosen as the first point of contact with the local tribes, serving as a valuable middleman between the two to discuss and explain their need to explore the land. Although, many historians believe they sent Esteban because to them, his life was of lesser value. And if the natives, who were sometimes hostile and didn't want to talk, decided to attack, well... Esteban would be the first to go, allowing the others time to escape. But luckily, every time he approached somebody, he was able to communicate with them well. Now, during an expedition to Mexico in 1536, 
Esteban served as a guide and an event scout for Fray Marcos de Nisa's group. Though he did not initially volunteer for this role, Esteban's contribution to the expedition was groundbreaking. He became the first black conquistador to set foot into what is now considered Mexico. Although Esteban was fluent in Spanish, he took a unique approach when interacting with the native people of the land. To communicate with local tribes, he used sign language and tools of their culture, which impressed them and earned their respect. He is revered for his ability to communicate with the Native American people, as well as those who held him captive and brought him to Texas in an enslaved manner. Esteban was enlisted by the ruler of New Spain, Antonio de Mendoza, to lead a journey into what is now Arizona. Unfortunately, he was killed by a Zuni tribe in 1539. Some speculate that his death was caused by a sacred rattle that was given to him by Texas Indians, which the Zuni people of the Arizona region considered to be a severe insult. Now, the dilemma of enslaved men during that time proves that they had limited options after they gained freedom. So Texas, like many other states in the South, has a sad history, which includes slavery, which officially ended in 1829. Many of the emancipated Black Americans were still willing to fight for its independence from Mexico. And like many others, and like many others, the men who were once enslaved often found themselves without any option or resources to turn to when they were freed. So they were forced to remain where they had been enslaved due to limited options available to them. But for some, it didn't even matter. They were willing to travel by foot to far and wide places, willing to negotiate to those who had already enslaved them in the first place. One such man was Hendrick Arnold, who was a free black man living in San Antonio, but was born in Mississippi around 1804. The exact date of his birth is really unknown. His family came to Texas willingly around 1835. Black people in the Mexican territory of Texas during the 1820s and 1830s experienced a unique period in history. It is said the Mexicans captured Arnold and refused to allow him to leave the area. However, while hunting for deer one day, Arnold accidentally stumbled across Stephen F. Austin, who had been at his encampment at Salado Creek, just south of San Antonio. Now, Arnold knew the area well and offered to become a guide for Austin and his men. Stephen F. Austin accepted, and he later took part in the Battle of Mission Concepcion, the Siege of Bear, and the Battle of San Jacinto. The Siege of Bear was a pivotal point in the Texas Revolution because it included volunteers who were interested in fighting for Texas, not just enlisted soldiers. Now, Arnold played an active role in the Texas Revolution by serving as a soldier, a spy, and a guide for the Texans. This was particularly noteworthy during a time when African Americans were not consistently recognized for their contributions. Hendrick Arnold was given a parcel of land in Bandera, Texas for his contributions during these battles. 
He died in 1849 of cholera. Cholera is a disease which is caused by drinking water that has been contaminated with bacteria. Now, just imagine being Arnold at this time. The bravery of an African-American man approaching a Texas commander to offer his services in a land that he knew well, but he wasn't sure if they were going to accept him. Now, despite the potential for unequal treatment in his past and probably his future, Arnold did not show any signs of feeling inferior or lesser than Stephen F. Austin. Hats off to Mr. Arnold for his military contributions to the Texas Revolution because without his guidance and knowledge of the land in the surrounding areas, perhaps Stephen F. Austin and his men may not have even been so successful during the battles of Concepcion and the Siege of Bear. He is attributed for having helped Texas win its independence from Mexico. The San Antonio River Authority has named a 74-acre park after Hendrick Arnold. The park is located along the beautiful Medina River in San Antonio, Texas. While in San Antonio, be sure to visit the Institute of Texan Cultures Museum to see an exhibit showcasing a beautiful painting of Hendrick Arnold fighting at the Siege of Bear. We're going to move on from the early Texas independence battles to the performing arts that included many historical black Americans. One notable African-American Texan is a famous woman named Celeste Bedford Walker, who was born in Bayou City, Texas, and is well-known in Texas for writing over 40 plays and dramas, many of which feature the historical daily lives of African Americans and what they went through. Her exceptional literary contributions have earned her numerous awards and recognitions, including the Texas Institute of Letters TIL Lifetime Achievement Award, the highest honor bestowed upon Texas authors for their outstanding bodies of work. Miss Walker attended Jack Yates High School and Texas Southern University. Both are historically black institutions in the Third Ward of Houston. The Third Ward, by the way, is a known part of Houston that became the center of Houston's African-American communities. Now, she broke racial barriers by writing plays and continuing to do her best of work, even though the state was still facing a turbulent time in racial history. I would like to quote this statement from her website because I believe it embodies her work. Recognized by the U.S. Congress for her historical contribution as a producer and author of works that bring to light lost stories of African-American history, Walker has received several honors and awards in this theater. Mrs. Walker is still alive and well and still writing making plays, and making film. We're going to move right along into the first black physician who was appointed to the Texas Public Health Service. Mrs. Connie Yearwood Connor. Connie Connor was a trailblazer in public health in Texas. As the first black physician to be appointed to the Texas Public Health Service, she was also the daughter of a doctor. Connie was 
adamant that she too would become a doctor from an early age after visiting sick people with her father and sister. Now, in the early days, she traveled to home visits on a horse and buggy, and later they traveled by car as the industrial age became more popular. In 1933, she graduated cum laude from Mary Medical School. At first, she started her career working with children in the pediatric department, but she became interested in the public health sector. Initially, she was only allowed to serve the black community of East Texas. However, as demand increased, she ultimately worked with people from all cultures all over the state. She played a leading role in Texas initiatives for early diagnosis, treatment, and management of long-lasting conditions during pregnancy and in children. And like those before her, she also received many accolades, from human rights activism to advocating for health care, including mental health care for Texans, as well as becoming a leader in her church and an ambassador for women's rights. We're going to move on over to the sports section of our African-American heroes. One very influential man was named Smokey Joe Williams. Small town Texas ball fields have served as a launching pad for many talented African-American ball players who have gone to become Hall of Famers, including Smokey Joe Williams, who was born in Seguin, Texas in 1885. Smokey Joe was best known for his fastball in segregated games of Texas. Segregated boys and girls means that whites and blacks had to stay segregated or separate from each other in most of the things they did. And sports was one of them. Blacks had to play in their games and whites had to play in their game. They were not allowed to play together. So Smokey Joe, as he was called, is said to have had the fastest pitch ever. It is said that his pitch was so fast that the rival team had to change out catchers before every inning when Smokey Joe was pitching because the catcher's hand would swell up, preventing him from continuing the game. Many of his accomplishments happened during a time in history where records were not kept for black Americans, but were mostly passed down by word of mouth. So unfortunately, nothing is written for those records that he surpassed. Now, Williams played baseball for 27 years. That is a lot of years for a ball player, my friends. Today's players probably play 10 years and are off to better things. He began his baseball career pitching for the leagues in San Antonio and Austin, and then he ventured on to play into New York. Despite being unable to play baseball with white players, Smokey Joe Robinson was still able to make a mark in the National Leagues of Sports. Now, he's still considered a miracle by today's standards. Smokey Joe will always be remembered in baseball and Texas history for drawing crowds of people, both white and black, breaking the stereotypes of the time that everyone should be segregated. Instead, instead proving that separate was not fair and he was not going to stand for it. It is no doubt that Joe Williams likely did not receive the recognition he deserved during his lifetime due to the prejudice of this era. But we can carry on his legacy by passing along his talented accomplishments and sharing them with the world. 
Well, my friends, today we talked about just a few African-American heroes and the community that has made significant contributions to the history of Texas. Although their legacy has not been fully documented, their proud and long-lasting impacts have helped shape the state's current identity. There are many, many others, and I encourage you to dig deep and discover other important figures who made a significant mark in Texas history. This week's question is, there are many historical figures from our past who have broken the barriers and created a legacy regardless of any obstacles that may have gotten in the way. So what legacy will you leave in history? Send me an email and I just might feature your answer in an upcoming episode michellegallegos.author at gmail.com. If you or your child has received valuable information, please share the show with other friends who might find it interesting. Thank you for listening. I know I've given you a couple of calls to actions today. Just remember to send me an email if you want a copy of that free reading passage for Valentine's Day, michellegallegos.author at gmail.com. I really greatly appreciate you guys listening. I love to hear your feedback. I've gotten a couple of questions and answers and I really appreciate you guys taking your time to do that. Remember, yesterday is today's history. 